Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. This is the last in our series on growing young. And we're in a season right now where the mission and the, the, the heart of our church is that every member of the church family would be discipling mature kingdom entrepreneurs among our youth. And that word entrepreneur speaks of somebody that takes something and, and learns it and knows it and is able to spread it and to grow something. You think of an entrepreneur in business, they can take something that doesn't exist and begin to create and make something exist. And so we want to instill that into our young people. And the greatest way we can do that, of course, is not just by our words, but by the life we live and our actions. I'd like to open up today with the story. 1982, I moved here from California. I'd just gotten out of this service. And I was living with my uncle and aunt. And the economy was not real good at that time. I don't know if you remember, but it was, uh, the job market was very hard. And I was only planning on staying for a weekend, and I ended up staying for 42 years now. A couple things happened along the way. But uh, Pastor Jack said, if, if it's God's will for you to stay here, he'll open a door and provide a job for you. And my dad raised me that you, you take what's there. You take what's open. You, put, you, know, you go out, and whatever's set before you, you do it. So I went out and put out like 30 job applications in two days. That's what you got to do sometimes. And I walked into a car dealer and I got a job as what's called a detail person, getting cars ready for delivery to people that buy them. And so day after day, week after week, I would wake up, catch the bus. I didn't have a car at the time. Go up to Haldeman Ford up on 18th and Tillman, and I washed cars and I vacuumed them. I got them ready for delivery. Not the most glamorous of jobs not the most sophisticated of jobs, but it's what God had given me. It's, what, it's the small thing he had put in front of me. And about three months after that, we were up at Blue Mountain Christian Retreat. And for those of you who've been around a while, we used to go up there as a church, and we went up there in December that year. So I was 22 years old. And for the three months before we went up there, while I was washing cars every day, living at my uncle and aunt's, I was learning to call on God. And I would go out to a field and just pray and call on the name of the Lord for a couple hours every night all by myself, out, out in the lonely woods, literally. And I didn't know. I mean, I knew that's what I was supposed to do, but I really didn't at that point know and really grasp that God was seeing that. He was taking note of that. I mean, he, he was seeing, this guy, he's after me. There was a prophet there named Richard Lambert. I don't know if any of you remember him. We called him the one-eye prophet. He's, he looked like Jackie Gleason. It's okay to say that because he, he called himself that because he, he had, a, a, I think, a glass eye. And in the meeting, I was sitting in the very back row, very back, and I thought, oh, he can't see me, and frankly, I didn't want to be seen. And then about halfway through the meeting, I got up and left to go out and help aid with the kids in the Sunday school. And people came up to me afterwards and said, that man, he, he wants to give you a word. I'm like, what do you mean a word? What's a word, you know? Uh, he wants to say something to you. So long story short, that night, 
He stopped the meeting and called me up. A bunch of people laid hands on me. I got a lot, like three prophetic words, just an anointed, awesome time telling me what God had in store for my future. And I was on cloud nine, right? Retreat ends. I get back in the truck with my cousin going back down the hill. Less than 24 hours later, I was washing cars. Anointed, powerful word, washing cars. Like, which one do you choose? Which one is kind of more fun? This is pretty cool. This is pretty routine and basic. But this is what God sent me back into. It's the small thing he called me to be faithful in. Right? Today we're going to be looking at David. We're going to be looking at David, not the king, not the slayer of the giant, but young David, the shepherd. And what happened in his life that God saw that caused God to call him the man after his own heart and caused him to put his hand on him and anoint him to be the greatest king in the history of Israel. We're not going to look at David and Goliath. We're not going to look at David's great exploits. We're going to look at the young David hidden away on the hillsides doing what he was called to do in his early days. Most of us will have a point in our lives where we're gripped with a sense of our destiny, where we're gripped with that sense that God has given us a life's purpose. We can see it. We don't always know exactly what it is, but many of us feel that. We can feel a pull toward that. And there can be a great gap between the times we're in God's presence and we feel that and waking up and washing cars or raising kids or driving a forklift in a warehouse. But that's where we spend 90% of our time. Very little of our time is here up front with our hands raised, falling over, being slain in the spirit and having that warm, fuzzy feeling. Most of it is washing cars. It's fixing things. In a body shop, it's if you're a policeman patrolling your area, it's very, it can be very routine and very mundane. So before we start, I'd like to ask all of us, what are your God-given responsibilities right now? What do you know that God's placed in your life? What is the everyday, routine, Monday, Monday to Friday thing that you do? And have you lost a sense of any connection between that very routine, very mundane, Monday to Friday existence? Do you sense any connection between that and the fulfillment and the purpose that you believe God has placed you on the earth for? Because if you've lost that and you're living in that 90% of your time, God is not in 90% of your life. And that's not a good place to be. Today's message is titled, Hillside to Throne, if we could bring up the title slide. And the reason I've titled it that is we're going to be looking at David on the hillside, watching the sheep. We're going to see what happened that connected his activities as a shepherd and being ascended to be the greatest king Israel ever had. Most of us are not called to be kings. I don't want to be a king. Heck, I don't even want to be a manager anymore. I used to be at my old job, and then I found out there's a reason those guys got paid big money, right? I like being in charge of myself, okay? And I do it, and I do it well at my work. 
So whatever we're called to, there's still going to be a sense of a future call and a future purpose. Next point. So here's the backdrop. Next point, please. Uh, back up one. You had it. I'm sorry. That was my mistake. Perfect. Okay. So we're going to start out. The prophet Samuel was visited by God, and God was upset that he had appointed a man named Saul to be king over Israel. Saul was Israel's first king. Saul was disobedient to God. He was given a clear and direct command, and he had disobeyed it. And God visited Samuel, and he basically said, I'm very grieved that I had made Saul king. 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 14 says, The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler over his people. God had told that to Samuel, and Samuel had declared that, that he had sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler over his people. And that man that he had appointed and called a man after his own heart was not living in an academy for future kings. He was not in an advanced school. He was not living among royalty. He was hidden away on a hillside watching sheep. What are you doing? Where's your sheep pen today? What do you do from Monday to Friday? David got up and he watched sheep. And watching those sheep, David learned things and encountered and experienced God in a way that caused God to call him a man after his own heart. Do you believe today that there's a way that you can carry out your Monday to Friday, very routine, very mundane, small tasks that God has given you to be faithful in, in such a way that God could say, you're a man or a woman after my own heart. Because according to the Bible, you should be able to. Today is a day of encouragement to the heroes on the front lines. Those who are in what we might call, or what society would call menial tasks. I don't call anything a menial task. My dad raised me that if you work honestly, that's a great thing. There's no such thing as a small job. But let's face it, in society, there is a strata of everyday routine things and great things. I'll tell you another quick story. When I was washing those cars, I had grown so content because of my relationship with God was growing that I had lost all sense of worry and anxiety over the fact that I was only making $3.25 an hour because I was growing so close to God that I knew he'd take care of me. And well-meaning people from this church, beautiful brothers and sisters, and they meant well, would sometimes come up to me and say, it's okay, Mike, hang in there. God's going to open up something for you. And I would say, he already did. I'm doing great. You know? I was taught to fear and trust God, and when I actually began to do it, it made some people nervous. 
It's like that guy actually is making 325 an hour and he really believes God has his future all taken care of. Yes, I did. It really worked. So there was a great meeting. Samuel went to a man named Jesse. God had told him to go to the house of a man named Jesse. And he said, among that man's family and among his sons, I have chosen my future king. And a great meeting was held and Samuel came and he said to Jesse, bring all of your sons. I'm going to have a sacrifice at which I will anoint the future king. Now Samuel had specifically told Jesse, bring all your sons. And Jesse purposely left one of them out. You don't just forget your youngest son, but he did. Why? I don't know. But he left them out there among the sheep. One by one, Jesse's oldest seven sons were brought in front of Samuel. And they were paraded in front of them, and the prophet looked intently at them. And the Bible says the first one came in front of him, and he was tall, and he was strong. And Samuel thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. And God said, no, no, don't look at his outside. You look at the outside. The Lord looks at the heart. What's in your heart? Do you not feel that you are the tall, strong one, the noticeable one, the one that probably would best fit into great things for God? And you've sidelined and marginalized yourself for whatever reason. God says to you today, don't do that. I didn't marginalize Jesse's youngest son. I look at the heart. I look at the heart. And one by one, all seven of those sons came in front, and one by one, God rejected every single one. And almost as an afterthought, next point. Samuel said to Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Jesse said, well, there is still the youngest. He is tending the sheep. He's, he's washing the cars. He's making sandwiches at Subway. He's running a cash register at a deli. Inconsequential. You, you, you can't possibly mean that person. Oh, no. Oh, no, I do. I very much do. Send for him. And Samuel uttered words that are so rich and deep and so often passed over. His words were these. He said, send for him. We will not sit down till he arrives. Well, what's so rich and deep about that word? We will not sit down until he arrives. What Samuel was doing was putting a stop to the proceedings. It was as if God was saying, we will go no further. I'm the Lord of time and space, and I'm stopping everything. God saw that his brothers, and probably even Jesse, for whatever reason, wanted to hide David away. There is nothing that can hide you from God's purpose. People can't. 
space and time cannot. There's nowhere where you can go where you're hidden from God. David was out in the remote parts of the Judean wilderness. He was among the rocks. He worked the night shift. He watched the sheep. And you better believe that David knew Samuel was in town. Small things are big things in God's eyes. I believe, think about this. David knew Samuel. Everybody knew who Samuel was. Hey, Denny Kramer's coming in a week and a half. We all know who he is. Well, Samuel was Denny on steroids. Samuel was the prophet in Israel. Everybody knew who he was. Now think about this. David was watching the sheep. How tempting would it have been to say, that's not very important, I'm leaving them alone. I want to get to where Samuel is. I don't know, this is kind of funny. I'm just going to be honest with you here. Come on, let's get real. When you go to a meeting where there's a prophetic person, do you ever sit in the middle row or up front trying to kind of get noticed? Oh, the, the young person up front there, right? You don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. God doesn't need help. He knows where you're at. He doesn't need help. David chose to stay with the sheep. David said, I could go and see the greatest prophet in Israel, and I might be missing out on my chance to get a word. But I've been called to be faithful in a small thing, to watch the sheep. And David chose to be faithful in the small thing. He watched the cars. He watched the sheep. He was faithful in the small things God gave him. And God took care of the fact that he hadn't been invited. And God stopped everything. He told Samuel, you tell them we're not going any further. And his brothers had to go find him. Can you imagine that? His brothers had to go find him. And in comes David, young, ruddy David, full of dirt, smelling like sheep, not coming from the Royal Academy of Future Kings. And he was put in front of Samuel, and Samuel said, Arise and anoint him. He is the one. By the way, Saul was anointed with a flask of oil. David was anointed with a horn of oil. There was no mistake. God left no mistake. He's the one. What had David been doing? Next point. What had David been doing before he was called out from watching the sheep? What was taking place there that was preparing him to be a future king? And why did God say he's a man after my own heart? Anybody here want to be known as a man or a woman after God's own heart? I do. I'll tell you. My favorite thing in life is the fact that even though God knows all of us, I love the fact that he likes me. I know he does. 
But see, that's not arrogant because he feels the same way about all of you. But I have every right, and I often do, I'll be walking down by the Lehigh River or something, and I literally will say, yeah, I messed up yesterday, God, but I know you like me. I I know I'm your favorite. I I know there's something about me that just makes you smile. (laughs) He does. But he feels that way about all of you. It's an awesome, great thing to be that close to the chief shepherd. So David lived Psalm 23. He didn't write it first. He lived it. He didn't go to an academy of psalm writing. David lived Psalm 23, and he lived the whole book of Psalms while he was out on that lonely hillside watching the sheep. Psalm 23, verse 3 says, He refreshes my soul. He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. Now, most translations say, He guides me in paths of righteousness, and that's good. But I like this one, NIV, that says, He guides me in right paths. And why is there an emphasis on the word path in Psalm 23? Let's look at what David would have been doing with those sheep. By the way, there's a place I go for lunch almost every day, way out in the middle of nowhere, and there's a guy that goes there and he owns some sheep. And he took me to see them one time. And it was so funny. I'll be honest with you, sometimes sheep look kind of stupid. They just do. And yet, they're cute, right? But they really are helpless. And they kind of don't know what they're doing. And they really, really, really do need a leader. I know I do. In my best of times, I can veer off course. Well, David, one thing he would have done, he would have led his sheep sometimes to the top of the mountains for food. And guess what? When you take sheep to the top of a mountain, well, not you. I don't think anybody here is a shepherd. But shepherds over in Israel, when they take their sheep to the top of a mountain, they don't go straight up. It's too dangerous. Guess what they do? They take their sheep around and around in circles. Do you ever feel like you're going in circles? You're not. And every circle they take, they go just a little higher. And they don't even know they're going higher. They're just being sheep and they've got their eyes on the shepherd. And by the way, they can't all see the shepherd. Some of them have to see the one in front of them. Hello? What you do affects the people behind you. The way you walk affects your brothers and sisters. The way we live affects the young among us. Let's keep our eyes on the shepherd so that the people behind us see us following the shepherd. Circles going up. Now, some of these paths could have been worn out over centuries. Shepherding is the oldest profession. It's the second oldest one in the Bible. The first one is being a gardener, Adam and Eve. Second one, Abraham, they, they, watched, they watched flocks. And so there's a lot of paths around a mountainside. And some of them lead to dead ends over time and some of them lead into caverns or right off a cliff. 
So you could be walking along what looks like a really good path. Oh, everything's cool. You know, even though my parents told me don't walk on this path. Do, 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 do. Boom, you go off. But if you have your eyes on the shepherd, you're not going to go off. Well, David was learning this, and that would come in very handy when he was leading the nation of Israel. God was raising up a future king on the hillsides. He already had Saul, and he didn't want Saul to owe. He wanted a new king after his own heart. And David was learning the ways of a shepherd, and in so doing, he was learning the heart of the chief shepherd, the God of Israel. And because he was learning God's heart, God said, there's a man after my own heart. What are you doing? Where are you? Do you ever get up and feel like you're going around in circles? You're not. Even if you're doing it day after day, if you're doing what God's put before you to do, and you're doing it with all your heart, God has his hand on your life, and fear not, and don't worry. He sees you. Your way is not hidden from him. Last point about paths. Sometimes shepherds have to take their sheep down into caves to get water. Sheep don't like running water. Do you know why it says he leads me beside still water? Because if sheep get close to running water and that wool gets wet, sheep go down to the bottom of the water. And sheep don't like, they don't like running water. They're very timid, they're very afraid. So the shepherd takes them to still waters. Well, guess what? To get down to those caves, sometimes shepherds build makeshift planks. And I read that sometimes they're very rickety and they're very wobbly. But if the shepherd deems that it's safe, it's safe. And if those sheep trust him and follow him, even when it may not seem safe, they get the reward of being by still water. And David was learning how to guide the nation of Israel to still water. Nothing David was doing was being lost on God. Nothing you're doing in your daily life is being lost on God. Are you getting it? There's nothing, there's nothing you can do that's boring and routine and mundane that God is not using. And using very specifically, by the way, tailor-made for your purpose. How good does God know the DNA in us and the way he made us and why he made us the way we are? It's scary sometimes. I've finally ended up in a job where I'm like a real detail guy. My boss puts out big, grand pronouncements about things in our IT department. I'm always a step behind him. Yeah, yeah, but the details, but the details. One time he turned around, he said, Mike, you're always worried about the details. I go, yeah, that's what I do, you know? Somebody has to watch after it. Do you know when I was eight years old, when I was a kid, one time in Wisconsin, I was getting ready. It was a February, and I was looking forward to summer, and I developed what I now found is a spreadsheet eight years old, I took a piece of paper and I wrote, I had nothing to do this day, it was a Sunday, and I wrote across the top, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then I put eight o'clock, nine o'clock. So I had this graph, and I began to plug in what I was going to do on summer vacation. I, I said, wake up. Eat. Go fishing. Take a break, as if fishing's not a break. But I did. I, Take a break. Lunchtime. Free time. Summer vacation, free time. Because after that was pl 
play football, go swimming. I, I laid out my whole summer at eight years old. <laughs> so it was very natural 40 years later to lay out a schedule when I worked at a warehouse organizing which trucks were going to go out the door at what time. You're the way God made you, and there's nothing you can do about it. So don't try to be something you're not, okay? Be something you are, and it works. There's a touch of OCD in there, too, somewhere. But But I've always said, I'd rather, you know what, so what? Shoot me. I'm organized. What can I say, you know? Organized, sloppy, you know? Okay. Next. Look at that. Isn't that cool? Let's just gaze at that for a minute. Let's pretend that's David. He's looking at the sheep. He's leading them. God's got his eye on him. God sees him. Says, there's a man after my own heart. David has no clue what's ahead for him. All he's doing is watching the sheep. He's being faithful in the small thing. Jesus said, if you're faithful in little things, I'll give you great things. That's what David did. Next. So again, David arrives. He's anointed in the presence of his brothers, and from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Then Samuel left, and he went to Ramah. And guess where David went? Right back to watching the sheep. Right back to watching the sheep. Forty years ago, washing cars. Really cool, big, prophetic word. Washing cars. How about you? Making sandwiches at Subway? You come in here in 10 days, Denny Kramer gives you a whiz-bang awesome word? Great. By the way, Denny's awesome. I commend him in front of this church right now. But you are going to have to wake up and and make sandwiches again. And that doesn't mean that the word was wasted. Okay? It means keep doing what God's called you to do. He'll take care of the rest. And it may not be to be a king. We're not all going to be kings. But whatever he's given you to do. So David returned to the pasture. And there he would continue to live out Psalm 23. And he'd be diligent in those small things. And those small things had a very direct connection to his penning of Psalm 23. And David would one day ascend to the throne. And everything he learned as a shepherd was put to use. And today we have a whole book of Psalms because David was faithful in the small things. What I'd like to do right now is say that the shepherd that David got to know was God, and God sent his son Jesus Christ, who he calls the chief shepherd. In fact, Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. And he says, my sheep know me, and I know them. And they come in, and they go out, and they have safe pasture in the same way that David did. And what I'd like to do right now is if you're watching online, or for those of you here, Do you feel as if your life is being led without a shepherd? Do you feel that you are walking without a guide, 
without the one who should be in front of you? Well, if you do, that's not an accident. The Bible says that God places eternity in our hearts. And even now as I'm talking, I've seen this a thousand times, something's happening inside you going, wow, everything that guy was saying, I, I just, I want that. Well, Jesus wants you. Jesus is the chief shepherd. He's the shepherd as David was the shepherd over those sheep. So look at that picture. David, leading the sheep. How would you like to be following the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, having your path made secure in every part, knowing that he'll take you from here to heaven? Here's how you get to know the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. You repent. You repent of your sins, and you turn to him. What I'd like us to do now is close our eyes. If we could all close our eyes, bow our heads right now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray a prayer that I've prayed with many people over 40 years, and here's what I'm going to be praying. I'm going to be praying that you give your life to the chief shepherd, that he takes you under his charge, and that from this day forward, his eyes and his rod and staff will guide you and protect you and lead you every step of your life to heaven safely. And so if that's what you want, here's what I'm going to ask you to do is to repeat after me, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on a cross and shed your blood to forgive my sins. You call yourself the Good Shepherd. I want to be one of your sheep. I ask you to write my name in your book of life. I turn away from my sins. I repent. I want to come into your sheepfold. I want to be secure. So now come into my heart. Save me. Forgive my sins. I accept you and I receive you. Thank you for listening to the NC4 podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word Jesus to 610-816-6062.